<laughs> Welcome to Advent Sermons and Conversations. This is the Conversations half. We'll be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Kevin. Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm Ricky. I'm Norma. Today's sermon was very special. Anyone want to explain why today was particularly a special sermon? Come on, Norma, step up here. You know you're thrilled about you know you're thrilled about today's sermon because it was given by I am thrilled because today we celebrated El Salvador Sunday, and our guest preacher was Pastor Christian Chavarria from our sister congregation, Pueblo de Dios, People of God in Calderitas, El Salvador. Christian has been here several times, most recently two years ago, so it was great that he came back this year. I'm very happy that he preached at all three services today. All three. Mm -hmm. He traveled a long way to be here. Yes. Lots farther than any of us did. Yes, yes. Other other people who preach. So what I love about getting to hear him preach is that he brings such a different perspective, you know, from the other side of the globe. Speaking of which, I have to say, we were talking about Good Shepherd today. And I was thinking, I, I thought that, oh, well, maybe since uh, he's in a, in a uh, no, another country, maybe maybe his rural congregation would be more from maybe it would speak to them differently than it does to us here in New York, yeah, where we don't totally have too many shepherds, concept. right? And then I loved it in his, he was saying that he was talking about the good shepherd in his congregation in El Salvador. And one of the women said, Pastor, I don't have any sheep. How can I be a good shepherd? They only have chickens. Yeah, chickens. But so it's like, oh, okay. So this is a this is a, a question that resounds abounds beyond Manhattan. How can I be a good shepherd if I don't have any sheep? We have we have that uh, modern ignorance in common. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. We can share that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I feel like I, I don't know. When someone is in living in a completely different world, it's easy to assume, to make assumptions. Yeah, about. right. It's going, oh, well, sure, they're going to know. There's going to be a shepherd somewhere in their congregation. No, not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, who would be an equivalent? If you were going to write this gospel today and Jesus was going to say, I am the good. What profession yeah, would you what choose? Would it be? What? I am the good nurse. I am the good nurse. I am the good social worker. I'm the good what? I, I really thought CEO, but that's a strange. But <laughs> I think of a leader. Yeah, I think that's a really good example because people who have a position like that have a big responsibility. And I thought uh, that goes back to the to Christian's point that it's not just being a pastor, it's being a good pastor and the mm-hmm. distinction between showing up to get paid and doing a really good job to be a good a good pastor or a good CEO. Yeah. And similar to uh, the sheep crossing borders, he did also say, I don't know how it is in your country, but in El Salvador, we have false shepherds. And I was like, well, obviously, America, yeah. we share this as well. So yeah. uh, n- positives and negatives across cultures are the same. Yeah. To me, the divide was people, leaders who are in it for themselves. And the money. Who take advantage of people for their own profit and gain. Mm-hmm. And leaders who care about the people that they are leading. 
and are willing to sacrifice for them. It's to the point of death and, so, and some of his very real examples in the Lutheran Church of El Salvador. Not like give up a latte and uh, donate that money to your give favorite charity. Morning. Give up a Saturday morning to go work at a shelter. A little more yeah. intense than this. I mean, we have leaders all around us. You know, you grow up going to school in the classroom and there's a leader at the front of the classroom and they, a teacher can either genuinely care about their students or just be trying to get through the day and make a paycheck. Do you guys have any like people who you think of in your lives who are like, you're like, that's a good shepherd to I, me? I must say, I went to a training session last week for uh, volunteer teachers of English language as a, sec as a second oh, language yeah, yeah. that, and the woman who led the session was such a teacher in the best possible sense. It was really nice to have this time talking with her and being led by her and the way that she reached out to each of the people in the room and drew something from them. It was, it was like a good reminder of, oh, right, a really good teacher can really make a difference. I mean, you know that. Yeah. But it was such a concrete example yeah someone there are all kinds of things that we know and it's like sitting right. and in then our you brain see it. lying dormant and you see it and you're like oh yeah and you're still surprised that yeah. it happens what a great revelation <laughs> exactly yeah what about the uh, okay here's more of my ignorance um that's so yeah, so for ignorance yes for sharing well it's hard to it's hard to hide sometimes <laughs> try though i might but also, when uh, Christian was talking today about the um, preachers of the, the gospel of prosperity, mm -hmm. and I, I wondered how that plays differently, or does it play differently in El Salvador than here? He said it was, you know, it was something that really did have a large following there. It does here as well. Duh, but when there's less prosperity, does it make the gospel of prosperity more appealing? Or less. Would someone be willing to kind of summarize for any listeners who don't know what a gospel of prosperity is? I mean, it is an issue in America as well. I have people who are unfortunately part of it down in the South where are not affluent areas where they're, they are told that if you give more, you'll get more. And so therefore give to the church and the church will bless you. But the problem is it doesn't, it's not such a one-to-one -one equal trade-off. You have to give without looking to get anything back is really what the teaching is yeah. so it's very twisted but it does get give people to think oh well I don't have a lot but if I just keep giving and giving what I have then eventually it will come back to me well no that's that money really will come back that yes, that wealth will come back tangible benefits I will get someday not which is goodness and mercy but right which is not yeah, or community or the, the joy of helping others a little a little twisted from the point I think that yeah. was supposed does to be that, made does that tie in officially or unofficially then with people who think well look I have a lot so I must be darn blessed and yes. in good with God and that's the negative because oh, therefore he's better than I am because he has more money well no that's exactly yeah. opposite I believe of what <laughs> the innocence or moral superiority of wealth which, mm -hmm. which that goes back like deep rooted at least into the English language like the idea of the word noble Meaning in the English language, both someone of like noble moral character and someone of high social status and wealth, uh, you know, at the time period, those things used to be synonymous. Like if you had money, you got to say, I'm a good person. Right. 
no matter what you did well, behind closed uh, that's doors. That's right, isn't it? Isn't that how it works? Isn't that how it works? Come on, I live in Manhattan. Get over <laughs> Yeah. It's a, I mean, I think that that idea is definitely still out there today. Oh, definitely. That still holds power. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if you have if you have wealth and power, you get... You deserve it. Yeah, the, the thing is, I, there's this thing of, I what I did was right, and that's why I got all this success, money, power, wealth. And if you don't have success, money, power, wealth, then you must have done something wrong. But it's your fault. Yeah, and it's yeah. your fault. That you're, I like, really? It's one thing to think that out of ignorance, though. It's totally different when the church has the same book that we have, and they've picked out one line that says that, even though there's 50 others that say exactly the opposite, yeah. and they've chosen to preach the one, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, it's it's actually preying on people, it, like with an E, P-R-E-Y, not P-R-A-Y, yeah. um, which is extra unfortunate, I think, than just having a bad view of the world it's totally different when someone is preaching that to you some bad shepherding worse yeah and false prophets because that's part of what christian was saying also there are a lot of voices around that we could listen to and we need to distinguish between true prophets or shepherd uh, shepherds and false mm -hmm. shepherds and false prophets which can be tricky sometimes yeah, yeah. i mean there are a lot of voices out there. Well, I suppose you'd have to say, but also, do they do what they say? And what is that? That What do they do? How do their actions match up with their words? Yeah. That might be one one test of what's going on. Yeah. And, and how does it relate to other parts of the Bible? Because as Kelly said, lots of people pick and choose a line here and a line there. And that's not the way to learn from the Bible or benefit from the Bible. You have to read a lot of it. Yeah, not, not to get all Lutheran on us or anything, but, uh, you know, Martin Luther's whole thing was let's write a Bible that everybody can read instead of being told what to think. And that was revolutionary because now they can read the whole thing and learn instead of hearing the one line that was preached that day. So that's part of our whole shtick, right? Yeah. <laughs> to learn for yourself and learn in, in fullness and the whole thing in context and not one line that someone has fed to you. Yeah, so a big part of it would, I guess, just be reading, reading for yourself. No. Reading for yourself. Reading for meaning, too. Reading for meaning and, yeah. and discussing it with other people as well, I think. Yeah. Because that's partly how you learn and how you get illuminated. Yeah. Just don't take one person's word for it. Actually get other advice and opinions and learn from other people. Now, I do have to admit that it can be very tempting to choose a line. I think we're all... That's certainly a, a temptation into which many of us fall upon occasion. People on every side of the spectrum of, of faith will do that. But you can look at the hopefully bigger picture... Yeah. And you see say, the one, figure out the ones that don't fit in. Yeah. Yes. One of yeah. these things is not like the exactly. other. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just easier. As a person who does communications, like, it's easier to pick one quote that serves your purpose or the feeling or message you want to create. And you're like, that one works. Well, you might. We're done. I don't know if you're really going wild about it. You might think about who's saying it and in what context. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's <laughs> just, important just to think thought. about. Who are they writing to? <laughs> mm-hmm. What was yeah? What was the goal? What, what was did the it? Context? You know, what was the cultural? What led context? to this? Because so, so often it, there's you know when a, a pastor in a sermon breaks down the cultural context of a line, you're like, oh, I had this completely different yeah, meaning than what different. I thought in our cultural context. Mm-hmm. So even then, just sitting down and reading it sometimes isn't enough if you don't know the translation, the context, the. <sighs> So it's interesting to think how many times there are shepherds in the Bible, in the New Testament. There were certainly the shepherds uh, the night Jesus was born at the beginning, yeah. But I don't know how often he referred to them. This is such a powerful passage. I think it's very familiar. Do any of you know anything about, like, what was the role or, like, status of a shepherd? I believe low, very low, very, very low yeah yeah I, that, it, I mean that's what i imagine but could have been just a kid who was sent out to cry wolf no that's a different shepherd uh <laughs> they were not the wealthy they were not the wealthy of the group no. i don't believe they didn't uh, probably they didn't always own the sheep sometimes they did i suppose but i bet sometimes they were hired help yeah who and, and that's all the more impressive if they're really looking after them it's not even their own income that's on the line for taking care of the sheep. I'm making this up, you understand. <laughs> Is there anyone that can corroborate this information? Yeah. I hadn't <laughs> thought of this before, that the shepherd, if it's your own flock of sheep, and you go, okay, that sheep's worth a, a gold ducat, and that one's worth two gold ducats, that's all great. I'll take care of them. But then again, if you've been hired for a penny to look out after them all night long out in the cold and the dark, and those sheep don't belong to you, but you're being a good shepherd, you're not doing it for the worth of, you know, the monetary market worth of the market worth of the uh, individual. Yeah. I don't know if there's anywhere to go with this. So why are you doing it? You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because you value them for themselves, that they are living creatures, sentient creatures who uh, need your protection. Lovely tie-in on this Earth Day, Ricky. How about that? Earth Day, right. Is it Earth Day? It is Earth Day today. Oh, happy Earth Day. (laughs) No, I thought it was just El Salvador Sunday. No, it's El Salvador Sunday and Earth Day. Day. Caring for creatures. So Pastor Christian made this analogy that that we are all shepherds who, and, you know, the communities in our life, they don't belong to us, you Mm. know, but, and yet we are called to shepherd communities or shepherd groups of people who are powerless or need, are in need of care even though this world is God's. And I, and I wanted to ask you guys, like, what, what does it mean to think of yourself as a shepherd of whatever communities you are a part of or communities who have looked to you for guidance, whether it's like three people or... I think it goes back to that, people. the same concept of action and not just words. So it's easy yeah. to say the thoughts and prayers thing, but it's totally yeah. different to travel to El Salvador and shake someone's hand and hug them and talk to them and um or obviously in any other context much easier or much harder much more invested to take an action to help somebody or to make somebody feel present than to just pray for 20 minutes in church and go home (laughs) so now this conversation is very special because you are all people who have been to el salvador truth you're people of action (laughs) people of action but that was the first thing, not necessarily the El Salvador thing, but just the idea that if you're a shepherd, it means 
doing something. It means actually actively looking out for not just sitting back, if you're a good shepherd. Yeah, when we talk about El Salvador, we we talk about accompaniment and sharing and mutuality. So to me, it's a different perspective to think about what would it mean to be a good shepherd in in this in any yeah or in any context really i mean when when his parishioner asked christian but pastor i don't have any sheep she also said i have children and he he said well you're called to be a good shepherd and take good care of your your children and your family um but other than that context of taking care of one's family it's hard for me to think about being a good shepherd (laughs) i mostly think about more about sharing mutuality, um, commonality, and accompaniment and going together instead of... Like equals hand in hand as opposed to like a, I'm a leader of, yeah. of a group. It seems like a pretty of. big responsibility. It is. Sounds a little scary to me. A little bit. That's it. I'm going to be a bad shepherd. That's... <laughs> she she totally just decided. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I will say... For you, Norma, to respond, not to single you out, but like you, you are on the council of this church and you're the leader, a leader of several ministries. And in, in that sense, I feel like they're including Equipo El Salvador. Including Equipo El Salvador. And in that sense, there probably are people who like look to you for, for guidance in addition to walking with you side by side. Thank you. So that's something. Yeah. It is guidance rather than bossing them around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's some that's, ideas I that's have. That's how I think of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of like the, the teenagers I work with here and that sense of like, of being a guide and the thing, the, the big Corralling them into a single room when you need to. Yeah. There's some literal, <laughs> literal, some literal corralling. Kids and with uh, teenagers. Shepherd's crew. And with, uh, with adults who need to be rounded up to do a podcast. Yeah. Even <laughs> adults. Sometimes I wish I had that crook. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, I think of what really like hit home for me was the idea of like, are you doing it for you or are you mm. getting to know the community and their mm-hmm. needs and doing it for them? And that, mm-hmm. and that's like huge because, um, it's very easy. Like take teachers. One thing they warned us about is like, it's not your job to get your class to like you because then you're making it about you. It's not about that. If they see that you care about them, they, they'll like you enough, you know, as much as a teacher, like, cause that's, that's what matters. So it's always about, you know, I try and stay focused on just listening. Like, not, I don't even always necessarily enter into something with a plan other than to ask questions and to listen to what what they want to do or what the, what the needs are. So that's how, that's how I identify. So we always end these conversations with a final question of like, well, what, what's something that you'll take with you, a nugget you'll take with you into the week? Either something you want to remember from the sermon or something you might try and do differently or think about more in your life. <laughs> it's like the final roundup. <laughs> we go around and each say something. I would say the thing to remember is that a shepherd is constant. He doesn't just go out for 20 minutes and then the job is done and he gets home for lunch and then he goes back out and it's a constant thing. Like they would be out there for days at a time, overnight, in the rain, whatever is happening. So you don't really get to check out. You you don't just, I mean, you don't just, yeah. just to show up for a few minutes and then you're done. It's a constant thing. Obviously you have moments that are more intense than others and you're more focused than others, but it's it's an always 
type of just lifestyle mm. as opposed to just the job of the moment. Which is a great lead into what I was thinking. <laughs> great, perfect. Is, I like the, because uh, I was thinking, you know, Earth Day and me obsessed with same, um, that that the care, so I'm going to be looking for ways to uh, up my caring for nature, the world, people I suppose are part of nature and the world, so I guess I'll have to look out for them as well. But um, and the connections, the interconnections between all of the above. So yeah, I think that's, I think that'll be my folks. Yeah, caring and connections. I've been thinking that shepherds were much more commonplace in Jesus's time than in our time, especially here in Manhattan. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, not a one, I'm assuming, in Manhattan. Not a one. <laughs> we'll go to the sheep meadow, find out. Know. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Um, and they were poor people and working people. They were not the upper middle class people. That there are a lot of us on the Upper West Side. <laughs> uh, so it's um, worthwhile to think about what does that mean for us now? What is the analogy? Where are the analogies between being a shepherd in Jesus's time and the things that we do every day? And where can we be good shepherds? So that's my takeaway. Mm, I like that. I am going to be mindful of, of paying attention to and caring for the people in my communities rather than, um, I don't know, worrying about profit or or personal gain or whether that's financial or in other areas because even if i think even if we aren't selfish we all worry about that and that's a part of life um but i'm just going to try and be more attentive to to people and to caring for all all the communities and beautiful nature and everything that has been brought into my life without my earning you know and also that it's not someone else's job. It's everybody's job. Yeah, yeah. It's all of ours. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our worship services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.